The Productive Woman, Episode 67. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'll share with you my conversation with attorney Demetra Liggins, who shared her thoughts on managing a busy professional and personal life and some of the challenges that professional women still face in corporate America. You'll find information about Demetra and links to the tools she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 67. And now let's get right into my conversation with Demetra. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Demetra Liggins. Demetra is one of the most active and, and one of the most proactive professional women I know. She's an attorney and a former partner of mine, someone whose accomplishments and attitude I have long admired. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from her about how she manages a very, very busy life. So welcome, Demetra. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm just thrilled to have you. And we talked a little bit before we got started recording. And you know that I've heard from a number of listeners recently who are professional women who've wanted to talk about the unique challenges that professional women often have to address. I know you have some things to say about that. And I do want to get your thoughts on that. But first, can we give the listeners a little bit of context and um, talk a little bit about how you manage your own busy life? Yes, of course. Happy to talk about that first. Okay, so you're a partner at a very large Texas-based law firm. I know you travel a great deal. Tell us a little bit about, just, just so they know, what your practice is like, and then maybe go into a little bit about what, if there is such a thing, what a typical day is like for you. Okay, so I am a bankruptcy lawyer at a law firm. I primarily or should primarily work in our Houston office. I do what's called corporate and restructuring work, which for the average person, I would say is bankruptcy for corporations. That means that I represent both companies that go into bankruptcy as well as assist people who are doing business with companies that are in bankruptcy. So it doesn't have to just be on um, the debtor side, which would be the company actually in bankruptcy. I also represent the creditors, which are people who are doing business with those companies. And then because I live in Houston and oil is the currency of our city, I do a great deal, especially right now in this pricing environment of um, oil and gas sort of uh, restructuring work, which is also helping not only um, buy and sell distressed assets, but helping companies identify distressed assets and then helping them work through the process if they identify some assets and then helping them get through the bankruptcy process. So that's sort of a nutshell. Okay. And I know you travel a lot in this and you appear in court in bankruptcy court and travel to a lot of different cities. Isn't that right? Yeah. So I am, um, I joke and say that I have a fob for every office that we have. So lately I have been Splitting my time between our New York office, our Dallas office, 
our Austin office, and then, of course, Houston, where I actually live. So, yes, I am on the road a good bit these days. And so is there, su- <laughs> is there such a thing as a typical day for you? Or, you know, and if there is, what, just briefly, what would it be like? So when I'm home and it's typical and, and I'm not, you know, swamped or working some crazy schedule, I get up and I try to be at the gym before I start my day. You know, when I'm being my best self is what I'm saying, like my (laughs) best typical day. And so I get up and I go to the gym and then I usually come home and uh, check some email and get into the office probably a little bit later than everybody else because I just go ahead and like make my breakfast and then get into the office. And then I'm in the office from about like 8.30 to probably around 6.30 or so. And then I would say more likely than not, I have some type of commitment in the evening, a speech, a dinner, a something that that happens at least once or twice a week. And so then I'm usually getting home home for real. I mean, and done what I would say with work and a and a and a post work activity at 930, 10 o'clock, something like that. And I know just because we're Facebook friends that you do have family, but you, you don't have children. Right. So yeah, I, you know, and and it's funny you would say that because I had um, an associate say that to me recently. Well, she doesn't have a family and I like to think that I have a family, even (laughs) though I don't have a husband and children. I still think of myself as someone who actually has family. I was, I I told him I was not born of a virgin birth. I actually do have family. (laughs) And I know this because I see the photos and you have a twin sister. I have a twin sister. I have a brother. I have brand new, beautiful twin nephew. So twins are very prominent in my family. We have right now three sets of identical twins. And so my nephews are six months old and I am elated to um, have them and fascinated with them. So if you're my Facebook friend, you are also keenly aware of that. And of course, I have a mom and dad. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen the photos of your little nephews. They're just adorable. You just want to squish them. That's right. All right. So given all that's going on, so you've got a a busy practice, you travel a lot, you're trying to take care of yourself, your health and, and yourself, and you've got a family that you love and spend time with. What are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life? And by that, I mean, you know, for some of us, it's time management. For some of it's us, it's, I don't know, keeping track of paperwork or our stuff. For some people, a lot of women, it's saying no. What would you say are your, the challenges that you deal with? Yeah. So at work, I I don't, I think I'm pretty great about productivity and time management. And I think that is part of why I've had, you know, a degree of success, so to speak, and, and all of that. But in my personal life, I think that I tend to want to be completely off. So I think I am so intense and so committed, but then I feel guilty, right? Because I'm not married and I don't have children. And so when people ask me to do things and I know at my core, I just am a cheerful giver. I mean, it's on my Facebook profile. It's on my Instagram. I mean, I just know who that, that's who I am. I'm just a cheerful giver. And so if you ask me to do something and I think I could probably make it happen for you, I would, even if that meant that I would get two hours of sleep or three hours of sleep. And so I have really um, had to really, and still do, that's my biggest challenge is to work on that and to make myself as big of a priority as I would make someone else's things a priority. I would always make someone else's 
things they wanted me to do for them a priority. And I'm trying to learn to make the things that I would like to do for myself as much of a priority. Yeah, I think that's not uncommon for women. I think it's still in 2015, it's still more of an issue for many women than it is for for many men that we are, we will kill ourselves to take care of other people's needs. Right. And one of the things I've really had to learn in the last really couple of years is the art of saying no without explanation. And so before I found myself saying, you know, no, because no, I can't do that for you because I've got to do this. And what I found is when you do that, it gives people a chance to evaluate the quality of your no, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, then people are like, well, no, 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 you could still do it. Or they want to help you get to yes, especially if it's another woman, right? So then she's like, well, you said no, because you had a birthday party. Well, what time does your birthday party start? So now she's helping you get to yes. And then you find that you're doing that. If you, men, I don't do that. They're just like, no. You're like, hey, can you stay late tonight and help me get this such and such? They're like, no, I cannot do that. I have a commitment. A woman is like, no, because my in-laws are in town and we're supposed to have dinner. And then people are like, well, I mean, you're really not going to stay with over dinner. And so I'm learning the, the importance of not over explaining and just giving a no all by itself and not giving people a chance to evaluate the quality of your no. Yeah, that's, uh, we've talked about that on the show before. I've done a whole episode on being okay with saying no and the idea that no is a complete sentence. It's a complete sentence. Yes. And stop being oversharers as women. Right. It's a, it's a challenge for us because we want to please people. We want, we right. want, you know, we want people to like us. We want to be seen as, as somebody who can be counted on. And, uh, and then we, you know, wonder why we're burned out and worn out and, or sometimes not respected. And yeah. so I was actually having a conversation with a young woman about this uh, Friday night, she was asked by a client to perform some tasks and she explained to the client that she had young children and she thought she'd be able to get it done, but she needed to check with her husband to uh, make sure that her childcare was in place. And then the client was irate and was like, no, I don't want to hear about your childcare issues and blah, 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 blah. And so she was sort of asking me my opinion. I was like, well, why didn't you just say I may have a conflict, give me, you know, 20 minutes. I need to check and see if I can rearrange something and get back to you as opposed to explaining what the conflict was. Again, it gives the person the chance to evaluate the quality of your conflict because it all ended up fine. Her husband was able to pick the kids up. It all worked out fine, but because she did that oversharing and now she has someone who is now looking at her in a completely different way. That's probably unfair and unnecessary, but it is because she overshared. I kind of think it's too bad that if we, as women, give that explanation that we are, you know, or acknowledge that we are juggling a career and a family, it still, even now, is perceived as being less committed to the career. It's ridiculous. And if a man said that, he would be deemed as, you know, leaping tall buildings, right? So if he's like, oh, I I pick my kids up. People are like, well, what a great dad he is that he has to go. And you're like, wait, he's their dad. Do you know what I mean? Like he's their dad. He's not Superman. He's actually their dad. So I am not impressed with a 
father who picks up his own children. No, I'm, but you're exactly right. But, but because we know these stereotypes and these hurdles still exist, we have to adjust accordingly until we're in the position that we're the clients and that we're in charge and we can change those things. Yeah. I am on the on the issue of the super dads and stuff. When our kids were young, one of the reasons I love my husband so much is because way back when our kids were little, he used to get so aggravated at our male friends who would say, well, I'm ba- I can't do X because I'm babysitting my kids today. Right, because you can't babysit <laughs> your own children. Right. Babysit other people's children. And he would say that. And, and what was so cool about him is if I was going to go do something with my female friends, he would not only be happy to take care of our kids, but he'd offer to watch theirs too. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, one of the things I've had to say, and, and, you know, I always say that when you're not married and you don't have children, you are privy to conversations with men that they would never have with a married woman or a, or a mother. And so um, one of the things that I, I have figured out is you don't give people, you know, like you said, that opportunity to um, get into those conversations, you know, with you. And, the, and but also as women, you have to be careful about your words. Right. So yeah. you don't say, you know, will you do me a favor and pick the kids up? Will you do me a favor and get like because then it implies that it is always your job to yeah. pick the kids up. You know what I mean? So that if you want a partner, you act like you got a partner. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, those are such great points. And it's, it's so funny. I read, I'm trying to think where I read this. Oh, there was a video on Facebook recently. I've seen it a couple different times. And I think it's like the Saturday Night Live women doing the thing about how women always apologize for everything. Yeah, you seen for that? everything, for everything. Yeah. And I had to learn that as, as a young professional, yeah. right? Is that sometimes we want to, again, overshare over and, and, and men don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or even if we don't apologize, we want to say, when someone gives you a compliment, you want to be like, oh, you did a great job on the memo. Oh, thanks. Cause I worked so hard. And I wasn't sure if you, as opposed to just saying, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, a, as, as I said, a challenge a lot of us deal with. And so going from there, I always like to ask for the benefit of myself as well as the listeners, are there any particular tools you like or resources that you recommend in terms of managing your time, your schedule, all the traveling that you do? How do you keep track of everything and make sure things don't slip through the cracks? So I'm pretty paperless. That's one of my big things is you can't live on the road and then need a lot of paper. And so I am very much the app queen. Um, So, you know, my iPhone is in folders. Um, It's a very type A, (laughs) you know, so there's a travel folder. Um, So when I travel, I, I can, you know, easily know where things are. I have an app called Things. Um, so let's go back to that. You you said you were using an app called Things, a task, Things. task manager. I've got that mm-hmm. on my phone. It's not my primary one, but it looks really good. And you, yeah. And then I use Outlook a great deal. I color code it, which is probably I was saying pretty type A, but it, I know when I just glance at my calendar what my day looks like. So, for example, green is court or you know, hearings, orange is business development, um, yellow is personal. So when I look down at my calendar for the day, I can tell if it's a mostly professional development day or a court day or 
that kind of thing, conference calls are in orange, or if it's a day full of calls, if it's a firm meeting. Um, I also have at the top of every calendar where I'm supposed to be when I'm traveling. So it'll say uh, DAL, like Dallas, or I, I do everything airport codes, you know, HOU, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I NYC. Uh, I have learned that I tend to do cities and airport codes. And I think that's just because I travel so much. So now I think of the cities in that way. But I am extremely paperless is probably my big thing is I just can't afford to be somewhere and then realize I've left or need a big notebook full of things. So I've really learned to put as much on, you know, electronically as I can to keep myself together. Well, sure. And if you're having to schlep through airports, you don't want to be toting boxes full of paper if you don't need to. Well, you've mentioned that you work, and I knew this from before, that you work out of the Houston office, the the Dallas office, the New York office at various times. Do you have a travel bag that you keep stocked or do you keep duplicates of things in different places? How do you... Yes. So, okay. okay. So I have three sets of toiletries. So I have the toiletries are at my house that never leave. And when I say toiletries, I mean everything like my combs, brushes, all of that is at the house. And then I have a set that is for if I am checking a bag. And then I have a set for if I am not checking a bag, because the only thing that I actually pack are clothes and makeup. The makeup is, I don't have three sets of makeup, but as you know, I'm not a big makeup wearer. So I just would never, and if I probably wore makeup like that, I would have that, but I'm just don't wear a lot of makeup, but everything else, there are three sets so that I don't ever forget something. I don't ever get somewhere and forget something. So yes, um, the only thing I seem to constantly forget when I travel is pajamas. <laughs> I can't ever see. Like if I'm going to, I don't forget things often, but when I do, it is always without question pajamas. I don't know why it's pajamas. So I have more pajamas than any normal person should own because I've been to more Targets and Walmarts, you know, on the road because I, you know, I can tell you the branded Target of pajamas that I like because I have to go and buy pajamas. Maybe you should keep a stock in each of the firm's offices. That's right. Just a little, little <laughs> bag of pajamas. You think I would just sleep in my workout clothes, but I've tried that, but I don't like doing that. I've, I've heard of people that sleep in their workout clothes and then they get up in the morning, but I, I really don't like that. Yeah. I've tried that. It's yeah. a different, different feeling. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. Other than the things we've talked about, do you have any sort of, given the kind of crazy schedule you have, are, are you able to have any sort of a routine or a system in place to manage all these demands? Now, you mentioned your calendar is color-coded, which totally makes sense. Anything else that you do to sort of make sure that not only that you're getting your work done, but that you're managing the other things, you're making time for family, you're making time for yourself? So the biggest thing I figured out when I first started traveling like this is that I needed to find a way to get out of running errands is I found that I would come home and I would maybe only be home for the weekend. So let's say I'd get home on a Friday night and I'd be going back out on, on Monday. And then I would spend all day Saturday running errands. And then Sunday I'm at church and then I'm flying back out Sunday night. And I was very frustrated by that. And so two things really changed my life with that Amazon 
was the first thing. And people laugh when I say that, but I'm like, no, you just about everything you need in life is on Amazon. And almost all of it can come on a reoccurring basis without you having to actually order it. And that is how most things come at my at my house. Since I am not married, I don't have a spouse. Amazon is my spouse. So Amazon... And that's... I, a lot of people may not realize... Now, that's not something I've taken advantage of, but I have seen that Amazon has this sort of... I don't... Is it... Amazon the, essentials or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, they have that. They have subscribe and save. Yeah. So for instance, I have like bottled water, paper towels, toilet paper, deodorant, all of that on what's called a subscribe and save. I even have it for my nephew's diapers because I just am that kind of auntie. But you can just put in like I would like bottled water shipped, a case of bottled water shipped to my house once a week or once a month or whatever your frequency is. And it comes and you get an email from Amazon and you either tell it you, and it says your, you know, your bottled water is about to ship. And you either say you say nothing and it ships or you say don't ship it. And at the beginning, you have to tweak it, right, because you don't quite have it down. Like I, I had a dog when I first started doing that. And he had too much dog food. He just had too much. So I had to like stop it for like three months because we were just at capacity for dog food. He just wasn't, I just had it wrong. And then you, you, you tweak it and you realize it, but that put lots of time back in because now I'm, I'm not on a Saturday running. I don't do that. So then I do perishables, like actual groceries with Instacart. Hmm. So that is a grocery delivery service that is, you know, basically it is the Uber of groceries. So it is the same concept of as Uber, but it's groceries. So you, you get in and you throw your groceries in and it comes in a two hour window. So once I'm home or like sometimes when I'm at work, I'll say like, I'm home and I'll be home in an hour and a half and I will put my groceries order in and then it gets delivered to my house. And I think it has like a flat delivery rate of like three ninety five or something like that. I'm convinced that there's probably a little bit of an upcharge for the items for the convenience, but for me, it's just worth it. And then when I'm really traveling, like when I'm super, sometimes like I'm in the middle of like a, a big debtor case or I'm on the road all the time, I have a lady. I call her, I have a wife. I will actually do, She's a. she has an assistant service and she will pick up the dry cleaning, pick up the whatever, that kind of stuff. And then when I get home, all of that is done. Now there are, like Instacart is starting to have, that in other areas, in other cities. And I'm hoping that eventually Houston's going to catch up. Like there is a dry cleaning Instacart. There is a housekeeping Instacart now. Like it's like on demand, like on demand, you know, and, but Houston just isn't quite there yet. But if you're in, you know, New York or LA or Chicago, those are the only cities bigger than, than Houston, then you can get those, but they're just not quite to Houston yet. But when they do, I will have those too. You know, and I, I think those are such great suggestions that maybe a lot of women don't realize are options for them, or if they are aware, I think we have a tendency to think, well, I should just be able to take care of that stuff. Why should I be paying somebody to do those things? But that's an investment in your mental health. Well, and I it, I had to go through that. I remember when I first started practicing, 
I probably was the last person I knew who got a housekeeper. You know, I'm like a black Southern girl. I like, I can, I can keep my own house. I don't even have any kids or a husband. Why can't I like clean up my own house? And I had a month and I think I billed some outrageous number. I think it was like 289. And when I got off that Saturday, I was in my kitchen and I was mopping my floor and I couldn't get something off the floor. And I had to get on like my hands and knees to scrub it off. And I remember being down on my hands and knees. And I thought to myself, I had my first day off Mm -hmm. and I am on my hands and knees rubbing a kitchen floor. What? There's something incredibly wrong with this scenario. And then when I checked on it, it turned out a housekeeper was so affordable for me, right? For me. And I mean, it's not for everyone, but for me, it gives time back. And time, I always say this, time is finite. There is no more of that that you can get. I can make more money, right? I have the ability to do that. I have no way to get my time back. And so things that I can do that give me time, I am for. So I have learned to look at things in, in that way. Like, like you said, an investment in my, in myself. And so now when I travel, My Saturdays are filled with golf and visiting friends. And now I can make the baby shower if I choose to or or not and just sit on my couch and watch Netflix and catch up on my DVR and pour a glass of wine. But I can't do that if I need to clean my house. Yeah, I I had a similar experience um, a couple of years ago where I was just worn out because I, this was before we got the apartment closer to the office, but I was working long hours as we do. I was commuting 50 some miles each direction every day. So my days were very long during the week. And then the weekends I would spend cleaning house, doing one of two things, either cleaning house and getting exhausted or if I did decide to just sit and watch Netflix, I would feel bad because I could see dust bunnies or whatever, you know, and I, so I couldn't relax. And I finally, after years of that, I finally thought, you know what, I'm just going to break down. I made some calls, found out, as you said, it was pretty affordable to have somebody come in once a week or once every other week. And I will never forget the first day I came home from work and walked around my house and it was just immaculate. And I thought I can relax and enjoy the Saturday. Good smelling, clean home. Because I always say it's like little angels come while you're gone and it smells. Even now you open up your door and it smells delightful. And for someone like me who isn't married and, and doesn't have children, I mean, my housekeeper comes once every other week. And so, you know, it's it's not like it's that much to do, but it is that much when you are um, trying to balance and, and maintain it with other things. So absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not to say that everybody should do those things, but they are options that, that women who have a lot on their, their plate, have a right to at least consider whether one or more of these kinds of options would be a good investment for them. Right. And especially to me, if you had children, right, because it would give you time to go to the park, time to take them to a festival, time to just sit. And you don't have a lot of that during the week, I would imagine, when you're a working mom. And this just is pouring back 
time into your schedule that you you don't get. And so, yes, for sure, we need to, you know, grace ourselves. Like I said before, we, we're really easily gracing others. We don't always grace ourselves. Very much so. Well, I always like to ask my guests one particular question, because I think there's, we can all learn from each other on this. And, and, and this is my question. It's kind of a two-parter. First of all, with all that you've got going on and how kind of on top of things you seem to be, do you ever have a day when it just, it all gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if you do, what do you do to get back on track? I absolutely have those days. If anything, I think people think I don't have those days, which I think make them more difficult when I do have them. I think sometimes I start to read other people's press clippings sometimes about myself and the way that they see me. But yes, I for sure have those days. I've had a day like that very recently, you know, where there's just a lot going on. For me, that's my faith. And that, I mean, I literally, I mean, I have a Bible in my office. I literally try to have quiet time every day and stop and get centered and, and people always laugh when I say that, like, you live by yourself. What do you mean quiet time? And I'm like, well, quiet time isn't about other people. It's also about shutting the noise of the world out, right? And just me and Jesus, right? That's what it is for me. Yeah. And so when that happens to me and I'm at work, I literally have a Bible in my office and I will shut the door and pull a scripture. Sometimes I have to Google what I need a scripture on. Like, okay, I am feeling you know, what is a scripture on anxiety or what is a scripture on, you know, heartbroken or what is a scripture on whatever it is that's making me feel overwhelmed. And then I'll turn. Sometimes I just stop and I'll just say, Lord, I'm going to open my Bible and whatever you turn me to. But whenever, regardless, it always is just me. I shut the door. I stop for a second. And most of the time, frankly, I don't even know if I've ever told anybody, I get down on my knees. Like I literally get to my chair and I just get on my knees for a few minutes and say a prayer because there's something for me about humbling myself down. Like I can pray up, I pray, but I feel like that I do that all the time. It's not, it, it makes me like stop. I think it's the act of literally getting down on my knees like I would at the altar. And it makes me be like, you know, and then it just reminds me that typically what I'm reminded of is whatever that's stressing me out. I'm not saving lives. This is not world peace you know, it helps me put it back in perspective, you know, like, you're good. Um, It's all fine. It it will be here. And then I'm okay. Perspective is such a huge thing. We one of the hard things, at least that I found with what you know, with what we do, my practice is in real estate, yours is in bankruptcy. But either way, it can be very demanding, very frantic at times with lots of deadlines and lots of demands and the phone ringing and emails coming and people walking into your office. And when you've, you're juggling a bajillion different things, you lose perspective. And like I, I loved what you said about, you know, this is not, we're not saving lives here. I, I take very seriously what I do for my clients. For but sure. Sometimes you have to take a step back and, and realize, you know what, it's just money. The worst right, thing, is. worst thing I can do is lose some money for somebody. I don't want to you do know, that, but you know. And I had an aha moment for me about that. So I was always one of those people, always have my phone with me, always checking email, always, 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 always. And when Barack Obama was elected president, I don't even remember who it was. It was like um, 
you know, Glamour or Vogue or someone like that did an article on like the women in the White House. Like it it may have been women of color. I don't know. Something about women in the White House. And they did all these profiles of all these different women in the White House. And I remember I was on a plane. I was reading the article about these women and they all were saying things like, I don't take my Blackberry into my bedroom or I don't take my Blackberry to the gym or I don't do. And I remember reading that. And I just remember thinking they run the country, they run the country and they have an hour that they're unplugged. You need to quit it. Like cut it out, Demetra. You're not that important. You're not that important. (laughs) Right. And these people at this job, they try to make you think you are right. And they try to make you think what they're doing is, but like you too can go to church and not take in your phone and it'll be fine. Or you can go to the gym and not take your phone and it will be fine. It will, as my big mama would say, it'll keep, you know, nobody, literally nobody is going to die. die, Right. It'll keep. And, And after that is when I really, I think just, started to learn, like, even last night I was on a call and I knew it was going to happen. I uh, I had a date, which I don't have enough of. And I'm always fussing at myself about, like, you need to go on more dates. You need to go on more dates. And so I was, I'm in the middle of getting ready to file a case. And so I'm extremely busy right now. And I just thought, no, you have to, you cannot cancel. You must go on this date. And so I knew I hadn't heard from my section head all day. And so I thought he's going to call me. And and I just thought it doesn't matter. And so he called while I was on my date. And so I answered. And then once he started trailing off, like I knew there was something important we needed to discuss. And then once he started trailing off, I said, hey, I'm at dinner. So I think this will keep until the morning. So let's talk about the rest of this in the morning, unless you want to talk about it late tonight, because I'll be home about such and such time. And then he was like, oh, okay." And then I thought was so ironic is today I wanted to talk to him about something I thought was very important. And he was like, I can't talk to you about that. I got somewhere. I got a dinner at 630. I got to (laughs) go. And so to me, it was yet another example of what we talked about earlier. Right. Like. He was real comfortable telling me, I got to be at a dinner at 630. I got to go. I don't even have time to hear what your issue might be. I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and we need to learn that. You know, I think that's something that we as professional women can take notes on the way our male counterparts handle those sorts of things. And I don't know if that was a work dinner or a dinner with his family or or any, because he didn't even, it just was like, I'm cutting you off right now. I'm walking out. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah. And that was okay. <laughs> and that was okay. And yeah. I and the thing is, I wasn't offended. So I don't know why we think they're going to be offended. Yeah. I, that, I <laughs> Really, really good point. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're, we're, we've kind of come to the end of the time that, I, okay. that I, you committed to me. And I want to be respectful of that. You were telling me, I, I always like to ask what's on the horizon for you. Obviously, you're, you're continuing to, to practice law and doing great things there. You were mentioning something just before we started recording, uh, something that you want, you're going to be starting you and your sister. Yes, and I'm so excited about and so excited to share with all of your listeners. So my twin sister and I, so you know, I'm a partner in a law firm and she has her MBA and she is a senior vice president at a bank. And so we've both been working in corporate America for 15, 16 years. And one of the things we both have figured out is a lot of really stemming from a lot of the things we've talked about is that women and of course people of color oftentimes are a little disenfranchised in corporate America or we're athletes. So we say like, they don't always know the rules, right? Like they don't have a tribe, they don't have a crew. So I, 
I say they don't have homies, right? They don't have people who pull them to the side and say, this is what you need to be successful. So we are going to teach people if you had homies, what they would tell you. We're going to call it the corporate homie, right? So if you had a homie in corporate America, these are the things that they would help you navigate, right? Because you you are not from necessarily an environment where that came naturally or, you know, no one pulled you to the side to tell you like someone is pulling Jim to the side to tell him. And so we're really excited about that. Hoping to launch probably um, at the top of the year is our plan. So we're um, in the early stages of pulling everything together, but we're super excited. We just got our trademark application in for the name. And and and, and so we're waiting on that to be approved, but we're, we're going to get the website up and everything. So I'll definitely keep you posted. Yeah, and, definitely. When Once you've launched and, and you've got the website and all that, let me know and I'll make sure that the listeners hear about it because... You know, I think it sounds sounds awesome. Sounds like a great thank you. Great thing that's going to yeah, be really we're, we're, yeah, we're really excited. So, if folks wanted to connect with you online, maybe to follow you and 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 hear announcements about the corporate homies and and anything <laughs> else that's going on, where would they find you? So, I am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and recently Periscope, and I am at all of them at the same name, Demetra Ligon. So it's D E. M-E-T-R-A-L-I-G-G-I-N-S. Same name everywhere. And, you know, feel free to follow, shout me out. Let me know you heard me on The Productive Woman so that I can acknowledge that since this is such an exciting thing for me to do. Yeah. And I'll be sure and put links in the show notes to your Twitter page and some of those other things to help people find you. I guess one last thing before we close, do you have any, any last words for the listener who, who might be looking for some help in getting things done and, and making a life that matters? Any, any last thoughts for that listener? So the first thing I would always say is that one, your life, it, it does matter and you can pull it all together. But try to do it one bite at a time. So one of my big pieces of advice that someone gave me that really helped me start to get really organized was at the beginning, instead of writing a to-do list, write a to-done list. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see how productive you actually are each day. And so you won't end the day thinking about all the things you didn't get to. You'll end the day realizing how much you actually accomplished, which makes it easier and better to go into the next day. Give yourself credit for what you did do. I love it. Very good. (laughs) Thank you so much, Demetra. This has been great. I appreciate you so much coming on the show. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate Demetra taking the time to share her thoughts on how she manages a very busy life. And I've seen her life in person, so I can attest to how well she manages it. I also appreciate her great suggestions on managing that and some tools and resources. What do you think? Do you have any questions for Demetra? Was there anything that she said that really resonated with you or or sparked some questions? Please feel free to ask your questions or share your thoughts or comments. There are a couple of ways you can do that. You can go to the website at theproductivewoman.com slash 67 scroll down to the comment section and leave your comments there. If it's a question or a comment for Demetra, I'll make sure she sees it and can respond. You can also share comments publicly on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. 
If you have something you want to say to me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or leave a voice message by going to the website or to the Facebook page and click on the button there. I always enjoy hearing from you and, and we'll get back to you. So thanks very much. A couple of quick things before we wrap up. I want to remind you that I am available to speak at your events. So if you have a women's group or a retreat coming up, I'd love to be a part of that if there's um, something I can contribute. So feel free to email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or you can call me at 972-638-0308. Let me know what your needs are and we can talk about what the options might be. If you haven't picked up your free copy of my project planning template, that's still available, no charge. You can download that for free at theproductivewoman.com slash project. And also a last reminder, if you haven't already done so, please consider taking three or four minutes and responding to the listener survey. Thank you if you've done that already. The feedback has just been so helpful to me as I've been planning future episodes and, and considering guests and topics. So I appreciate it very much. You find that at theproductivewoman.com slash survey. Unless something changes, I don't plan to have a new episode next week. I'll be taking next week off in celebration of the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. If that's a holiday you celebrate, I wish you joy, and I invite you to spend a little time reflecting on all you have to be thankful for. And on that note, I have a few people I want to thank, a few (laughs) words of gratitude that I want to share for some people who have made it possible for me to do this podcast and to hopefully make it something that's worth your time and your attention. I want to thank Emily Prokop. She is the co-host of the Classy Little Podcast, and uh, she has been so helpful to me in preparing the show notes for the last few episodes. I'm just eternally grateful to her for that help. Check out her show at ClassyLittlePodcast.com. I'm grateful also for John Buchanis for his help in editing this episode and the others in which I have guests. He has been such a help to me in that way to make the audio sound good, to make it you know, pleasant for you to listen to. You can learn more about John and his audio editing services at audioeditingsolutions.com. I want to thank also and, and express my gratitude to and for Daniel J. Lewis, who's the director of the Noodle Mix Network, the network that the productive woman is on. And I'm so grateful for all that Daniel does to help me and many, many other people be better podcasters. You can learn more about Daniel at theaudacitytopodcast.com. I also want to express my gratitude for my amazing husband, Mike, for the music he composed and arranged and recorded for this show's theme, and for all the many ways that he supports and encourages me. I honestly couldn't do any of this or, or anything else I do in my life without him, and frankly, I wouldn't want to try to do life without him, so... I'm very grateful for Mike. And finally, I'm grateful for you. As I'm, you know, pondering the Thanksgiving holidays, I want you to know that how thankful I am. Every one of you who listen to the show, who take the time to post a comment in the show notes or on Facebook or a review in iTunes or to send me an email sharing your thoughts and questions and ideas. You have made my life immeasurably richer and I am just unspeakably grateful for you. So thank you so much. 
that will end it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you again for spending this time with me. I hope something in the show was helpful to you. I hope to hear from you with your thoughts and comments on the show. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.